Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-hosts Mike Connolly. Hello. And Tara Connolly. Hi there. And today, we just finished listening to Metal Stricken Terror Action by the legendary, much revered, much loved, and unfortunately no longer with us, MSBR, a.k.a. Koji Tano. Oh man, you know, it's it's definitely it's time it was time for us to get to MSPR. And wow. Well, truth be told, we when we started Noise Extra initially, we were going to do an MSPR episode. Those of you that follow the Twitter or Instagram might have seen that we uh we had kind of done one, but we decided to do decided to scrap that in favor of this one. But he was this was on the list from the from day one of oh, doing Noise Extra. Of course, of course. Um, so this was a re- really, really exciting one to uh, to listen to. But uh, before we get into our the main feature, we'll uh, maybe do a little round of recent listening. What do you say? Gosh, what a novel idea! <laughs> what uh, what have you been listening to? Well, we were out of town, the three of us actually, for the last few days, so listening wasn't quite as heavy as it would have been if I was home. But I did get something in the mail Monday when I returned, which I have already made my way eighty percent through. Which is saying something because it's the Omit five CD box uh, enclosures 2011 to 2016 <sighs> on Pika Disc. Uh, longtime Omit fan, love his stuff. Uh, New Zealand experimental. I calling it noise, especially this one doesn't really quite seem right, but I've been soaking it in. This is a is it all, is so it's all recordings is all relatively current recordings. Yeah, yeah, it's all stuff that he or a lot of stuff he did on his own label. Um, and it's five CDs and slipcases with a nice booklet uh, in a nice five, you know, like a nice uh, kind of box enclosure thing. It's really, again, only only listened to four of the five discs so far, but if that tells you how good it was when I put it on, that's it's just languid, tangerine, dreamy soundscape. Like, Klaus Schultz, a slow motion. Like, there's not really much in the way of melody, but there's lots of really nice tones some weird rhythm, almost some like clicks and cuts, pops and stuff. It's noisy enough in its way, but it's not harsh at all. Um, and some of his early stuff like that quad box and some of the other CDs have been more drone noise, but it still, of course, fits in the in the realm of experimental. Uh, and then I listened to a couple tapes on No Rent. I listened to Bacillus Out of Control and Obsidian Needles uh, Coronal Mass Ejection. Um, Bacillus being the classic Midwest harsh project. Who I've said I, I think of you well, when I think of Bacillus. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I've released a Bacillus thing on a, on Hendrick Sound and just continue. I've, I've collected most of what he's done and continued to try to keep up with the new stuff that he's been releasing. And uh, Obsidian Needles, uh, Power Electronics, heavy, nasty stuff, two sidelong tracks on that one. Uh, based out of the Pacific Northwest, and touring with Crawl of Time, which is Sam from Kufar Terracell Unit, uh, in very late August, early September, sort of Midwest, East Coast tour. Um, so you can catch them together. If I were anywhere near those shows, I would go. What have you guys been listening to? Well, I know one of the things. Well, yeah. Because I mean, you suggested this one, because <laughs> it's, it's great, so. Well, yeah, I mean, so we were all... We were all um, away together over the weekend for a for a 
a lovely wedding up in the mountains. And so, yeah, so I was, I was listening to a lot of stuff that I had had, you know, the digital, digital albums of. And it, first thing I put on was, um, the newest uh, Rainforest Spiritual Enslavement, Panama Canal, Left Hand Path. It sounds so good in a cabin in the woods. Yes, yes. It's unreal. <laughs> I mean, it's super fitting. It's a it's a really great one. Um, there's a lot of like, there's definitely a lot uh, more noisy elements to certain tracks or um, kind of reminiscent of maybe some of the earlier recordings um, from that. From Rainforest. Yeah, because the last full-length Green Graves was a lot more in the rhythmic. Yeah, I realm, mean, right? so, so incredible. So incredible. This yeah, is this, more atmospheric, more, um, yeah, again, it, isolated in the woods. Yeah, it's perfect for <laughs> yes. isolation in the woods. And so I immediately would just follow the, followed up the Rainforest with Metal Stricken Terror Action by MSBR, which, as we always do, we encourage you to buy it off the band productions band camp which is how i was listening to it and we were just sitting there in our cabin listening to it and just as every minute went by just getting our minds blown and i was texting with greg oh my god dude this part this part this part you know and and then he's like well we should obviously just do this the next episode so this is uh this is how we how we decide what we're going to do sometimes <laughs> and it just happened to be like that so we got so excited about this and amazingly gray has the physical tape so yes gray has an incredible looking we're so jealous <sighs> i think Again, I bought lots of MSBR thanks to Davin and Record Collector, and I think this must be the MSBR version. It doesn't look like the Discogs version or the Band version. Although Band did a lot of elaborate packaging back then, too. This is like Japanese newspaper. It looks so amazing. I mean, yeah, actually, please, anyone who knows um, uh, which is which, uh, you know, who who did which version, please let us know. Obviously, we're going to put a picture of the... uh, this special packaging version up there. And it looks so amazing. Yeah, it's like lacquered, waxed Wait, let paper me, I'm collage. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to hold it. I'm getting up. <laughs> Everyone's going to hear that. We're leaving that in. But it's, yeah, it's really elaborately packaged. But also, like, the way those 90s, the 90s special packaging was, it's, like, it holds up. It, it, it holds up so well. Like, it's very sturdy. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, it's, like it is. I yeah, also it's, keep it's wax, but not well, also, broken. Well, also, Gray yeah. is very, very good at keeping his stuff. I'm the worst. <laughs> Gray I'm takes archivist. care of his yeah. toys. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely like have you know drawers and stuff is in uh, Ziplocs and and custom fit bags and stuff because I'm in, especially with packaging like this stuff. This is so beautiful. I don't want it getting ruined every time I take it out. It looks it just looks awesome. Did you cut it open or was it pre cut? I cut it open. I, that's my. Oh, cut. was that yeah, stressful? But you, but you did it so clean. It looks really good. <laughs> you did such a great job. Everyone gets to hear about my neuroses now of, of keeping my package. <laughs> uh, one thing I don't own that uh, also is oddly coincided with this is our friend Jim Harris who did the door open at 8 a.m. episode with us posted a photo of fracture of silence on uh on sounds for consciousness rape and wow that I, joel saint germain from spite had that tape and we used to hang out in the late 90s and he uh he i, I just remember holding that strange piece of <laughs> insult spray insulation foam wrapped around a tape that perfectly fits into the cavity it's beautiful yeah, it's an amazing thing. I mean, I mean, so much of um, of Koji's stuff, 
was very there was a lot of very great art limited pieces um with his releases yeah i have a bunch of the tapes and some other stuff he issued and uh a lay a couple lathe cuts one package inside a stuffed a homemade stuffed animal (sighs) that's just a bunch of like weird like socks and stuff sewn together with a button on it to stick a lathe inside (laughs) that's a daniel menchie small cruel party lathe wow he did one with a telephereek that's uh it's like rolled like kindling flat kindling of newspaper that's been like lacquered somehow and then it's all held together with brads and folded it's a really like obtuse (laughs) object um the msbr daniel menchie multi-layering termination acetate that comes in a cardboard box covered in concrete that's been painted black which is crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and it was an art form to him. He, the art object was a huge part of his practice. Yeah. Everything is so memorable. I mean, MSBR started as an art piece in a museum. That's correct. Right. Yeah. His first piece was actually uh, as MSBR was an installation. Um, so, you know, from the old MSBR website, I'll just read what he wrote about um, his first MSBR installation. And is, this is 1990. This is 1991. 91. So a year before the first record, Ultimate Ambient. Oh, I lied. I'm sorry. It is 1990. Molten Salt Breeder Reactor. Um, So he shows a picture of it and it says, this is the first work as MSBR. The material is automobile gasoline tanks, water pumps, and various other junk. The area is still an art object. A speaker is attached to the belly of the tank. When a sound, of course noise, flows... The vibrations reverberate in the tank and slamming like an animal cry. By the way, White House logo affixed to the surface is a copy from their LP jacket and has no particular meaning. <laughs> Just a fan. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so it's cool. like a crazy installation like machine with um, just a random White House logo um, like in the middle of a museum just emanating noise uh, by itself. That's. It makes sense. Yeah. Given, especially given his attention to the physical packagings of things and especially on msbr records but like we said that sfcr tape was not on his label but you know still going the extra mile on packaging this is on band and i don't know again if he sent materials or if he made this packaging but it's a the attention to packaging was a really a really big part of his noise and there's always a regular edition and a special edition i interviewed him in the late 90s and 99 when he came to play america he did two shows in detroit and uh, asked him what his favorite packaging was that he had done. And what did he say? He said his favorite packaging was the MSBR Speculum Fight 7-inch. And I asked why he liked that one the most. And he said it doesn't look like a record jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Of nice. course. It's just right there. Simple. Perfect. Um, Consummate artist. There'll be, uh, probably we'll talk about this interview a little bit more coming up. Yeah, it's so cool. I, I You know, we never got a chance to see him. It's so cool that you got to see him. Uh, you know, it's, with, a, it's a rare, rare, you know, thing for sure. Yeah, obviously very rarely. That was the only time I think we've established that he played the yeah, States. That I yeah. Know of, yeah. yeah. Did you interview him via email or in person? No, I sat with him at Alvin's in Detroit. Him oh and, my uh, God. And Satoshi Yoshida, government alpha. And I <laughs> so cool. Yeah. They played, uh, they played at the record store, like record collector. I still talk about it all the time. Yeah. On yeah, the yeah, shows. yeah. Yeah. My, if you have one of those record stores, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just that place where. The guy that worked there liked noise and got noise and was involved. And Davin traded with Koji, and Davin brought Koji over to, to play uh, in some shows in the U.S. And 
wow, just a, a night of like in-store at the record store, but it was very communal setup, kind of everybody just playing different spots of the record store and hanging out. And the next night, uh, a show at a, you know, rock venue, whatever in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. But it uh, seems like that's like what Koji did in Japan. Like he brought everybody over there to like so many amazing shows. He was the gateway, the the linchpin. The I mean, he seemed to me, especially at the time, as a driving force in Japanese American noise relations. Like he was, he traded with a lot of people. He stocked a lot of stuff. He carried a lot of stuff in his catalog. Uh, Americans would go on his website and the you know the MSBR guest book. I think we've referenced on this before, but it was one of the two places kind of to congregate and post mm -hmm. new releases and talk about your label and stuff. Um, and he was just a, a true lover and supporter of noise in the biggest possible way. It seems like he, he loved noise. He did. And, and you know what? It really shows on metal stricken terror action. I mean, this is, it's a perfect, it's a perfect noise album. I mean, there's no, there's no way around that. Um, it just starts, I mean, and, and, but the thing is, it's, so incredibly varied. There's something for everybody on yeah, this Yeah, absolutely. Tape. There's everything for me on this tape. It's literally everything. It, 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 it shows the potential and range that no, uh, of noise. And, and he was just a master of it all. I mean, it starts that, you know, so it's, it's, it's a cool, it's actually, um, it's actually 14 tracks, which is, well, it's set up as, you know, side A is positive action one through seven. Um, side B is negative action. Um, is it one through seven or eight through 14? Eight, eight through 14. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's broken up, you know, it is broken up into these 14 tracks, which is a rare thing on an MSBR release. So he is, oh, many of the releases are side long tracks or, you know, two 25 minute tracks and a couple eight minute tracks something like that. It's, it's usually long tracks. Um, yeah. When I think of him, I tend to think of him as the, a sidelong guy. Yeah. I mean, when we were getting ready and researching for this, you know, we were listening to structured suicide, which is like that ultimate ambience which is like that, which is, they're both just absolutely incredible, but there's something really cool hearing him do the multiple tracks because he just keeps taking us on a, and just a just a really amazing journey through, you know, all the things that noise can do. And those short tracks, he's just juxtaposing sounds against each other. Like you get, it's never like something soft and sweet on one side, and then <laughs> soft and sweet has never been know, used no, to uh, <laughs> reference an MSBR. And then rumbles next, but it's it's all <laughs> he's he just he's just flipping back and forth, um, and it's to an amazing effect, and really like. Uh, if I had to guess how long it took to listen to the whole thing, I'd say 20 minutes, but it's not. It's it's damn near an hour. It's yeah. crazy. It, it felt so short. It, it was phenomenal. Very. It didn't. Yeah, it did not feel like an hour. Yeah. Even the longest pieces on here are like just over eight minutes and the shortest being like one minute. Uh, but they all have purpose. They all they're, they're all so varied. You can tell when the side the tracks end and begin. There's so there's this is from 1995 on band production, but there's also a CD issue that. Koji did on his own label, uh, Denshi Zatsuon, which mostly I think, or was that was the name of the magazine? Exactly, yeah. it was the he magazine, was and he did a lot of uh, CDRs, um, uh, reissues of old '90s tapes, 
um, on that label. And so that's from 2005, and that's that one's dedicated to Richard Rupinus from the New Blockaders, who will certainly get an episode sooner or later. Definitely. Yay. And uh, that one has the track. I just put the tracks down on our note sheet as one plus one through seven minus eight through fourteen. Uh, the reissue actually has two bonus tracks using source material from the New Blockaders. And the tracks are not numbered in, they're not, they don't go in sequential order. It's like track three, track eight, track whatever, or like, oh. you know, positive action three, five, eight, two. Uh, so we're referring to them as one through seven and eight through 14 here. Um, yeah. Well, since, since we're talking about the CD, I actually have uh, the review from the MSBR mail order. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so allow me. Uh, and again, this is the CD uh, dedicated to Richard Rupinus, um, but we're doing the tape. The latest work produced to commemorate the European tour. This work is a remastered source released from band productions in 1995 in the United States with a bonus recording of a collaboration sound source with the new blockaders. Hard concretion noise block where acoustic noise due to metal friction and striking and quiet and roaring parts cross densely due to tape operation and excessive effect processing. I think that sums it up pretty well. Because there are these great quiet parts and there's these great roaring parts. I mean, it just... I, we could actually just sort of stop the episode here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, describes it, it quite yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is lost in translation. Yeah, um, I got super, super excited around the third track. So that's when, that's the third track is kind of when things get... When it opens up and does get quiet and does get soft. Oh, you um, mean the heavy water factory portion of the thing? And, and that's when, again, and that's, like I said, what I had listened to immediately before this was the new Rainforest. And so we were like, wait, did the Rainforest come back on? Because for like a second, it did feel that like atmospheric, watery, like, you know, just open um, uh, thing, you know, that that open sound. Um, but it, it's just so cool and it just, it keeps kind of slowly adding and building, but it never, you know, yeah, the blossoming and the growing of the sound. It's like something is approaching you, uh, and it's, and it's creepy. It's funny. There's sort of a Geiger counter buzz going on through it too. There's a small motor or kind of nasty distorted Geiger counter thing that builds up throughout the piece that's under there. And yeah, it's a lot of like echoey, echoey muted metal and water sounds. And it's so cool. And I really was like, Oh, this is like cast off water from like cooling some sort of reactor. It's really oh, what yeah. was yeah. Yeah. for that. And, and it shows the dynamics of MSBR. Well, it's funny because the first two tracks are just harsh. Like the first track on this one, you know, I don't, we didn't talk about the sound so much on it. It's, to me, it just sounds like these large steel buildings, like being moved by something, you know, just there's feedback creeping in and it's super dense and it sounds super massive. It's really a large, the sound of something large. Yeah, like metal on. with mass. Yes. Not heavy metal. Richard metal Sarah with mass. Yeah. Installation <laughs> type, like just big rusting metal. Yeah. And it's so cool. And the second track has got even more like grinding and squealing. And then you get to this thing and it's it's just like an awesome ambient piece that builds towards a little harsher end. But it's yeah, there is a crescendo, you know, near the end, but the patience of it is just awesome. And then it, that which just lends to the atmosphere. And it's just such a great atmosphere. This whole this whole tape is very atmospheric. I think he wasn't afraid to use some reverb. 
Yeah, nice. yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And one of the things that he's really, he was just fantastic at is this, uh, this sense of size and space in the pieces in that there's two or three elements kind of always going and they change. And it also seems like, and it's not, I don't notice it in the earlier pieces, but later on in the cassette where in a way of jamming, some people are afraid of their mistakes or acknowledge them by trying to get out of them quickly. Or when maybe I don't mean mistake, but unexpected sound and change, you know, when you're using, internal feedback and weird things. Sometimes you get a sound you're not, not expecting. He seems to embrace that and take it and make it its new element too. There's nothing sounds like, oops, you know, everything sounds very deliberate. Even when there is a change that was maybe unexpected by the performer too. Right. He just kind of, he, he, he goes with it. It it rolls with it and it sounds good. It, It becomes proper in context. So yeah, MSBR Stands for Molten Salt Breeder Reactor. And I've always loved this name. I've always loved um, the both. I love both the long form and the and the short form. And uh, so. Oh, what a thrill. Uh, because <laughs> I was so excited to look up Molten Salt Breeder Reactor because it is a type of nuclear reactor. Uh, it is nuclear fission, not nuclear fusion. So what what is that? What is the difference? So basically, it's a it's a nuclear fission reaction, which is the separation of the nucleus of an atom versus uh, fusion, which you know fuses two things together to make a different particle. So uh, the molten salt burita reaction was actually um, a type that was developed in Japan um, around like you know the early eighties up until to the nineties because they were trying to get off of gasoline and not be dependent on um, fossil fuels. And so specifically, this was like a new type of extremely efficient reactor. Um, and the thing that I love about it is that it did have molten salts in it. And if those salts hit air, they would instantly, um, you know, catch on fire, uh, which is the most amazing thing to think about is this, this giant vat of hot salts that are cooling a fission reaction. And then if any crack occurs it immediately just catches on fire. Uh, so again, uh, they had, um, I would imagine that it has a really, really uh, cool sound. Well, I, again, in that, when I interviewed him in February of 99, one of the last questions I asked was, where did you get your name? Classic, oh, yay, like, yay. 21-year-old me right. <laughs> with not very great interview questions. Uh, and he just said, MSBR, I imagine, like, heavy machinery image. So the cover of Ultimate Ambience... It's like a molten salt reactor or some sort of particle. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure it's something uh, in the nuclear world. Definitely. So that, that's a gorgeous industrial image. And, and, and the, the, this, sort, this type of reactor is unique to Japan. Is that correct, too? It was not unique to Japan, but uh, it was supposed to be like the most innovative nuclear technology of the time. Like I said, uh, from the 80s into the 90s, it was a going to be the most efficient type of nuclear reactor. It was a big deal. Speaking of efficient, we come into tracks four and five on the first side, uh, clocking in at three minutes and one minute, respectively. And the fourth piece is just... It's just these cut up, cut in, jarring sounds over this uh, 
growling noise based. There's just these these interruptions, you know, these bursts of noise happening over these shards of distortion coming at you. Maybe the reactor is starting to break down. Yeah, or you're <laughs> or you're getting or you're getting thrown into a box of tacks, one or the other. Either way, it, nothing good's happening. I'll tell you that. This actually gave me a gave me some sickness. Oh, right. Vibes with that too. like roaring and, well, sound and the, cut, and the kind yeah. of cut in and cut up style. Um, uh, yeah, this is certainly a more cut up noise. It's it's more of an on off than I think a very big diversity in sound. You know, it's a there's maybe a couple effects that he's switching on and off to give the you know louder distortions or something to make the textures because they all sound similar in a way or at least you know a couple different styles. It's really cool and it is yeah it's that kind of quick cut. Yeah, it's spastic not noise. Yeah, it's spastic. It's not herky jerky. It's like spinning hubcaps and metal, certainly cut tapes. And then the next track, that that one minute piece, we go back to like just, just a giant piece of metal. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it starts this low, just low, and then just reveals itself to be just like this, you know, perfect MSBR noise. Yeah, the, there's a lot of pressure. It's a high pressure track. It feels really like steam, hissing pressure building, and just a large a piece of metal large enough to block out the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Next track though. Oh, it's got. It starts with that piercing feedback. It gave me ultimate ambience. Yeah, flashbacks. yeah. There's a lot of a lot of feedback work on ultimate ambience, the, and it's right the here. The positive seven. Yeah, uh, positive six. Positive oh, positive six. six. Oh, so good. That's, I just wrote ouch. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Because <laughs> it comes in like really, really just like it's great. It's like such a a pulsy high pitch, and it just destroys you right off the bat. There's some really dense clatter that comes in like halfway through as well. Like there's just this kind of more smaller pieces of metal kind of moving around and just sounding nasty. This one, you can hear the metal fatigue. You hear the straining and stress that the metal's under. Uh, the, the, the friction he mentions in, the, in his write-up is like, it's so true here. You really, it's the right word for it. Yeah, he nailed it. It's such a, it's a rich noise experience. This whole, this whole album. Yes. It's just... Yeah, and it just never, you, yeah, you're just never, you're always excited about where it's going to go, and you always know it's going to take you exactly to that place. There's distinct ends and beginnings to some of the pieces, and then some of them almost morph out of another another piece, like it's just a kind of a, a cut to maybe the same setup, maybe something's changed, maybe he even just switched on a couple pedals or switched his source or something, because it has the vibe of it. Really cool. And then the the positive seven, that one's got that like just grainy howling going on to it. I think that's my favorite track. Really? Yeah, I I I love that it just made me think of like roaring winds, like like touching a mountain. You know, I I really uh, I was moved by it. I thought it was beautiful. I think my two favorites have to be uh, positive three and negative ten, which are both. Ooh, negative 10 was good. The more ambient pieces. But that's just because there's so much texture and they're kind of a nice break from the noise. Although it's they're just a little bit more easily identifiable in the whole of the thing. Now, if the whole thing were 12 noisy or 12 ambient tracks and two noisy ones, <laughs> I might feel the noise. It's, it's just context, I think, because they're all really good. 
And there's a lot of technique on display here in terms of the variety of sounds and the, the differences between the tracks is that there's two that are slightly more, you know, ambient that sort of build, but there's, I wouldn't say any of these, these pieces sound the same, even when it's a mutation of the previous, I think there's one where it's yeah. like 12 and 13, they sound sort of like they they were meant to be together. Maybe they're even the same piece because these track breaks are, uh, you know, approximate kind of guesses based on where the sound changes. But th- even that one that sounds like, oh, these are probably the same session, the same setup, the same whatever. They still are like different enough in in direction and intent and in what he's doing with the noise that it could be the same damn thing, but it's still somehow different and it's awesome. It's really, it's such a diverse listen. And it's strange how the, the metal can sound organic and inorganic. Like it's, it's just such a mixture of like, like rustling and trees and wind and, you know, machinery. There's some like phaser going on on the record too. That is really cool. An effect that when it's really prominent, can sound just very cheesy when it's used so subtly like this. It's just it was so subtle. Gives you a little bit of that like seasick, nauseous, what's going on here, like out of phase thing, and it it works really well on the harsh tracks and on the ambient tracks. Yeah, it feels like nothing is right. So we're done with side A. Side A, and it's a feeling of sadness because side A has ended, and great joy because we have an entire second <laughs> side of this yes. tape to enjoy and now to discuss. And it just, it's on, the the molten salt is on fire. This one blisters in from the get-go on the second side. It's the tumbling blaze. Oh, yeah, that tumbling blaze, you're right. There's a sodium leak. (laughs) There is. There's a sodium leak and things are getting fiery. Things are starting to burn a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's the first thing I wrote for this side was coming in hot. (laughs) <laughs> and there's there's some nasty scraping and there's this high tone kind of warble going on he he would use this korg synthesizer that really wasn't meant for the purposes he was using it for i think and a lot of the high on this i think is run through that or is, is using that source because it sounds somewhat feedbacky somewhat synthetic and it's got some modulation on it. I could be wrong. That's just guessing. But when I saw him, he also used that piece of equipment. And I read him tones. talk about that core guitar synthesizer in like four interviews. It's the, it's the it, piece of gear. He I want uses. one now. It looks amazing. He indeed says, I always, I, I always use for recording and performing. So there you go. Well, when I talked to him in 99, I'm going to just keep saying that, <laughs> but it's really, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I one of my favorite MSBR releases, one of my like absolute top tier. I've got quite a few, but uh, MSBR collaboration with Blazon E Sharp, Mass for Dead Insects is the perfect ambient noise record. It's been one of my favorites for damn near twenty years. It's really just varied, interesting, textured, uh, noisy, atmospheric, all at the same time. And so I was really curious going from something like ultimate ambience and harsh noise, how he, what, what he used to make that record. And so I asked him that and he said that the sound system is the same different wise is sound source, exact same system as today. Today's sound matter is feedback loop, direct connected effects to guitar synth by line. I make loop of the feedback. This is the sound source, but that CD uses field recordings for sound matter. So same setup. Like he, he could make, 
excellent harsh noise wow. and really super dense textured ambient stuff all running stuff through that setup and this this setup here this album here this album here is almost certainly using that same setup yeah yeah and it's it, it just it just makes for such a vast range of of potential that he can you know he can just do yeah. it all he just and he does do it all in this you know i keep referencing this this interview uh i dug it up in the wayback machine from the webzine i used to run after tara's uh, inspiration of waybacking lots of msbr <laughs> oh my god we have been waybacking at this point for like i don't know 12 hours it's so fun everybody yeah tara was really digging into the old msbr site and, and i mean so are we but you know tara basically i got home and she had been in, on it for about five hours. And she's like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And it is really, really cool. And it's a really cool little time capsule of kind of the end of the 90s, um, end of the 90s noise. But it was like websites were so fun. It was, you know, prior to having like uh, Instagram to share something or even Facebook, like you go on the like. You can read people's ads for their shows. You can connect with people who have like-minded interests. And the first time that we could really like connect with people all over the world. And like I was laughing because, you know, my laptop immediately translated everything. But then you'd see an entry that says, I can't read anything on this page. What are you all talking about? And it would be great. <laughs> but, but I think it, I just think it's cool too. just even just scans of actual photos or scans of actual flyers and like I just love the way that looks and and on your side too yeah well, it was cool so we, so we oh, started yeah. looking at Grazel oh my <laughs> god if you want to drool yeah <laughs> do that look at the old uh show photos and flyers oh and if you can find it oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we're I'm gonna take this interview and make a little pdf of it and throw it up on our patreon for our loyal patreon subscribers and also uh We've got bonus episodes and blank note sheets, and we're working on some other features for the Patreon. It's how we uh, pay for our studio and upgrade our equipment. And if you want to go to patreon.com slash noise extra and support us, that would be awesome. Uh, you can find this interview on your own. I'm not. It's nothing like that you have to pay to get. But for those uh, subscribers of ours, I'm going to make it nice and easy for you. Well, I didn't find it, and I was looking pretty hard. <laughs> so I want also on the MSPR website. MSBR is Multimedia Society Basement for Reconstruction. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Mentioned the guest book that in the Slaughter Attracts More guest books were like places for like-minded people to find each other back then. And, you know, mailing lists, whatever. This is the late 90s, so it, it just wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like it is now. Okay, so when you go to the MSBR website from... 95 until about 2005 uh it says but noise is too underground because of too extreme musical essence so noise is only for limited people collector mania this is reality recently noise has become well known because of famous musicians such as sonic youth beck they introduced noise but it's yet extreme underground 10 of artists and a hundred of fans so this is very interesting for me. What do you think? I'm waiting any opinion of you. Oh, that's so awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, you can just tell Koji just lived and breathed and loved noise. And and he's one of those things where anybody, I mean, obviously you got to meet him, but anyone we know who's gotten to spend multiple days with him, maybe went over to Japan and did shows with him, 
you've only ever heard amazing things about the guy. I mean, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. He's just, it just seems like one of those guys. And I'm he's, sure he's waiting to hear from you. Like he wants to hear people's opinions and share it and make it a place for everybody who has love and who's interested. Like in I, noise. Yeah. And, I, and he really, he really just wanted to support noise. I couldn't have more respect for what he did from, from mail order to the forum to like the message board. Like, um, he just seems like, such an amazing and passionate person. Absolutely. And we uh, we just came up on the 14th anniversary of his passing, July 30th, yes. 2005. So rest in peace, Koji. We, we still think of you. We still listen to you. You've left your mark on the international noise society, as it were. And it'll it'll be felt forever. You know, there's no question about that. Thank you, Koji. Getting back into this amazing album, tape, whatever you want to call it, uh, Negative Nine has that great, creaky opening. It's just empty in an empty room. Connolly, you're talking about the junk bicycle on the suspension bridge. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> apparently I am. Because <laughs> right, there is like a constant sound that keeps going through it. Yeah. That's what you're seeing, a, mm -hmm. like a, kind of the the, the um, gears of a bike. Yeah, it's going. more of a wheel or something. Or yeah, it's it's this kind of clattery. Uh, if you put those beads that like fall on the bicycle when you when you ride around, you know, on the spokes, like that that sort of sound. And then there's there's that strained metal stretching scraping sound. And I was just like, this is just a. It's like scratching a single guitar string. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe a, a th threaded bolt across something mm -hmm. or something. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. All the junk fell out on this track. It's really, they're all using metal. Obviously, this is metal-stricken terror action we're talking about. But this <laughs> one sounds very metallic. You get the like resonant metal sounds in it more than any of the other pieces. I think, in terms of that like nice resonance. And then it just ends. And then the bottom drops out and we land in a very strange environment. I said, somebody call MUFON because I'm getting abducted. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a ghastly feedback that runs through the piece in part of it. There's a lot of uh, light modulation on some kind of delay times that makes all these echoes kind of go for a while and speed up and slow down a little bit. It's actually a very MB-ish effect. This one reminded me of MB. Oh, yeah. Uh, after our conversation of Mechpio-Bacterium. Yeah, this yeah this one has a, a very cool MB vibe to it, for sure. Phased echoes and... Yeah, this is where that cool phasing, like very slight phasing on the metal mm -hmm. is really... That's when I really was noticing it in such a great way. It's just like, oh, it's just adding this strange atmosphere to this track that's already strange tiny oscillations yeah it's oh god it's so good an empty alien landscape maybe something like a uh, nick racevic would have painted Ooh. tara got abducted to that alien landscape i'm gone oh well the next track i had <laughs> harsh blaster shooting particles collecting in a pile Blast is the first word I have in my description because that's exactly what happens. It is a blast of pure MSBR noise, and it is so, especially after that eight-minute atmospheric track, it just, it's perfectly timed when it comes in. It's, I really had the image of just something being blasted against a wall or a sheet that's impervious to it, and 
the pile slowly growing of whatever these particles or projectiles are. And you can hear the pile growing. The sound is changing as it gets larger. It was so, this one really just had me in in the visual aspect of it. And it's, it was a powerful, powerful piece. Yeah. And so we, now we're kind of entering the last couple uh, tracks. So there's kind of, they're kind of shorter tracks and they kind of cut into each other. Um, and it's, again, kind of like you were saying earlier, Gray, they all are super distinct without, but, but, they, but somehow it doesn't change too much, but they are still very distinct. For negative 12, mm-hmm. I, uh, I wrote uh, loop, no, buzzing room, operations and repairs. Yeah. And I was seeing like. <laughs> something be some metal structure being repaired while we're listening and you know i i don't really think of msbr it's funny you said loop no i I don't think of msbr as using loops too much no there was just a sound that was kind of repeating early on in the beginning that gave it the illusion of being a loop and then it changes so i I'd made a note and then I immediately told myself no yeah it's like spinning more than looping like oscillating not looping and but even you saying that just made me think that like oh you know I don't yeah. really think of MSBR as a loop using many loops I think of it as as more of this uh, moving um, soundscape that just continues on and doesn't just, uh, you know that kind of keeps expanding. Yeah, I think due to the nature of a lot of his sources and his use of internal feedback chains, he didn't get stuck in using lots of loops of sounds. He does. He mentions it in that interview that like he certainly did have oh, a looper. Sir, but yeah, definitely mm. uses it, but I don't think of it as his main. It's definitely not the thing that he is, uses most or is, you know, he doesn't just for. start a loop and let it run. And then that's the negative 12 is great. But then that's, that's one of those moments when I think negative 13 is a new piece, but right, I kind of cut. And I just wrote piles on distortion. It sounds like the same as, but different than, 12 but it's not the same thing right it's got that it's a tumbling noise again and i thought it was a nice blast yeah i mean we really you the tape really ends with some nice blasts really Ah. you know yeah coming into negative 14 it's just this feedback and this this is another one where you really hear the metal friction you hear metal moving against metal straining against metal is it crashing to the ground and picking up all the pieces it was so chaotic at first i thought it was like radio uh, and I was like, is that a radio? No, no, it's just chaos. It's metal chaos. It's chaos yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and yeah, and that takes us out. And Oh, and then I also wrote Maniacs. <laughs> it's metal chaos maniacs. Absolutely it is. And yeah, I mean, it just, wow. I, I don't, I don't know. We can't say enough great things about this, about this album. Or this artist. I mean, or this artist. I mean, like I said, MSBR is, he is. I mean, what can you say about such a sweet and supportive person? Also, such a just true, interesting true, maniac. It's great. True noise passion. True, a true noise maniac. Uh, you know, and gone. You know, far too soon. One thing, you know, reading some of these MSPR interviews, and with a lot of the noise guys, especially the '80s and '90s noise guys, GX being one of them, a lot of these guys were big wrestling fans and wrestling was a big part of a lot of the Japanese noise art titles 
uh, et cetera, as, as well as American stuff. Of course, we have Skin Crime, King of the Death Match, and, and you know, obviously Haters, Untitled, Title Belt, et cetera. But in an interview, um, the, the, you know, the interviewer asked him about wrestling, and he says, I prefer more stronger style by suplex and submission wrestling, especially suplex is the best technique in wrestling, I think. And I think that's just so cool that his... Just that he likes just this like strong, gruff, just pile driving suplex, throw someone on their back style. And and I think that's just perfect for MSBR. The for, extreme wrestling. Yeah, totally. And I think that's just like perfect, uh, a perfect way um, to to think about MSBR's noise. You know, just a, I think, I think, I think it, he's a, he calls it an electro suplex. And I think that's a great way of thinking about well, it. Well, and you also need to like, for all the heads out there, say his favorite wrestlers. He does state some of his favorite wrestlers. Uh, and those being Antonio Inoki, Bruiser Brody, Giant Baba, Stan Hansen. So I know there's wrestling heads out there who are going to appreciate those being his favorites. So We checked out a couple last night. It was pretty fun. Totally cool. And when we talk about the impact Koji's had on the International Noise Society, one month after his passing on August 31st, 2005, Stein Klang released a compilation a tribute to Koji Tano. And there were over 150 artists on the compilation. It's a digital compilation. There's over 150 artists that contributed tracks. 150 wow. Wow. artists all made pieces to celebrate the life of this man who was obviously, like I said, just a, a, a one of the people at the center of the noise universe in the 90s. And, on. and that's a month after. It's not easy to get people to submit their tracks on time. I did a compilation. <laughs> it took me three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, that just goes to show what he meant to noise. I did want to talk about the packaging again, because we didn't realize until, you know, I actually saw Gray's copy of the cassette because I had never seen one um, that it was so Interesting because it's not it's not covered in like clear packaging tape like you see on other things. It's not, you know, whatever equivalent of like Mod Podge people had at the time. It really feels like a soft wax. Um, and then when you looked up at the place where he was born or and lived, Kojitano uh, in I and I apologize, I don't really understand how to, to say Japanese towns, but it was Yuchiko in the Ahime pre- Prefecture. Um, it was a manufacturing center of Japanese paper and wax. So it makes me wonder, like, is this the specialized wax of his prefecture? Uh, but it sure is cool. It's a strange wax lacquer. It's a little cracked on my copy, but it's in pretty damn good shape. How cool is it if it is the wax that is kind of the specialty of, of his hometown that just makes it that much more incredible? It's such a cool strange feeling wax lacquer combo and it looks it just looks great <laughs> i mean it's absolutely an art object you know I, I know a lot of people who listen are are you know old noise fans as as long as us or, or or longer but i also know there's a lot of people who are you know newer and are getting into some of the stuff from some of the things we're talking about and i think it's safe to say from the three of us that we cannot recommend to any newcomer just Submerge yourself in the world of MSBR. MSBR. There's nothing you it, go for the, it. yeah, just go for it because it is it's it's so rich, it's so vast, and it'll it's it's just nothing but pure inspiration. So, you know, 
MSVR, thank you for all the noise and thank you for metal stricken terror action. I mean, Absolutely. how incredible is this? Yeah, this was a fantastic, fantastic release. You can buy it from the band production Bandcamp. Get it there. It sounds great. Yes, please do. Absolutely go there. Get it. Hopefully, you know, band production, obviously a huge, important noise label. And, you know, we certainly hope to have Tony on at some point. You've been listening to Noise Extra. I'm Tara Connolly here with Mike Connolly and Gray Holger. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support helps. We have a new supporter this week. It's Ashley Mack. Thank you so much, Ashley. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com. There's one E in all of those, please. And on Twitter at Noise Extra. That one has three A's. Thank you for listening to us, and thank you for listening to Noise.